Well, Jeff, um, I guess you remember this. I don't know, but um, I am uh, trying to make it on my own right now. Lori's in California. Oh. I sent you know, you know what this is? This is Chrissy, her sister's, her youngest sister's birthday tomorrow. Okay. And so she wanted Lori up there for her birthday. So it's kind of like, it's really kind of my birthday gift to Chrissy that she gets (laughs) Lori for a week. Yeah. Yeah. Our uh, our oldest grandchild's birthday is tomorrow. So it was 10 years ago tomorrow. I I became a papa. Well, well, cool. So anyway, just um, be thinking about me, and uh, I might be calling over to see what's for dinner sometime. Yeah, if you, you get know. to gnaw on the corners off the yeah. furniture, call yeah. us first, you know, before it gets to that point. Once you do the intro here, because I've got some kind of off-topic, but kind of interesting, to too, that I think you'll show. Okay. You were talking over our intros. You are saying you have something interesting once uh, we get I, through. Okay. You, will you do right. the intro? Yeah, I'm Roger Fields. I'm here with my younger brother, Jeff Fields who can often be really trying and cantankerous, but we do this podcast Woo-hoo. together because we enjoy it and because we like talking about the grace of God and just whatever other things are going through our lives here in Kentucky. So, all right, Jeff, what do you got? Well, this is kind of off topic, but it's not just a silly humor. Everything thing, we but do I think is off. Well, what's well, the topic here? I well, mean, grace, kind of okay, grace, right. Christ, cross. Well, we have a lot of off <laughs> Did topics. Did you forget stuff. that? Okay. No, but we do a lot, a lot of off topics. The stuff. idea, this has to do with the, the culture at Amazon you know, the higher up levels of Amazon, not in a warehouse. Be type Jeff of thing. himself, you Through mean, there. or what? Well, this I think it comes from him, from Jeff Bezos. <laughs> it's I, and I learned this from uh, my son Troy, who okay. used to work, uh, you know, at Amazon, and you know, as a yeah, Lori's worked at Amazon manager. three times, you know. Yeah, well, okay. Troy's been a product manager type of yeah. role there, right. or I don't know, I don't know, programming and product, whatever, in different parts of uh, Amazon. But anyway, somehow we got talking about the fact that when you and we experienced this when we wrote our book, Breaking the Hex Life with God After the Cross Killed Religion. When you start writing you about things down. the book down, that's available on Amazon? Is that the book? The one, yeah, for nine ninety seven. Okay, you're right. Um, book sales have slowed up a little bit, so uh, but okay. that's, that's understandable. It's because we while. never promote so, the book. Well, but anyway, go ahead. Have right. to do with it. But you remember when, we, when, you, when you go to write something down and you start writing, new thoughts come to mind. Oh, yeah. That you didn't think of before. Oh, yeah, for sure. And every author knows what's, oh, yeah. what's that. What you what write takes like. on a life of its own. Yeah. Really. yeah, and it just spurs the thinking. And, you know, it's really interesting how that happens. And then and somehow this came up and Troy says, yeah, well, do you know about, and there's, I forget the term for it at Amazon. It's a term you can Google, I guess, but the, the writing culture or something like that. But they have a, basically at the higher levels of Amazon, they don't use PowerPoints because they don't want you to make a PowerPoint. They want you to write out word for word. If you have an idea to present to the rest of a team or whatever, yeah. they want you to write it out. Develop word for the word. idea. They want you to develop, develop the idea, not just make a PowerPoint off of it. Because oh, yeah. you can make that a PowerPoint sense. and not think through oh, word yeah. for word. Oh, yeah. And so what they do, so if you've got a meeting coming up and you're going to present to the group, you write out word for word, you know, number of pages, what you're going to present. They, they hand it out, I think, ahead of time. But then when you get in the meeting, the first few minutes of the meeting, everybody sits there silently and reads it. Mm-hmm. So that way, they know everybody. By the time you start talking about it, they know everybody has already read it. Yeah, I like that. And then, then it also answers if someone has a question. You know, they read the whole thing. A lot of the questions get answered before they ask. But I find that fascinating that they won't let. He didn't want to use yeah. powerpoints. Yeah. He wants you to write it out word yeah. for word. I thought, oh, that is interesting. That's uh, that that is a very real experience. So that's all. Well, that, that's interesting, Jeff. Is that are you saying that we should start doing that with the podcast? You don't want you want me to start 
writing things out verbatim, giving oh, them to you. Oh, that'd take you... way too much time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> too I just, much work. So. I, just, I don't know if there's someplace you're so, going with this or not. I've got a couple uh, other right. point things, but I'll turn ask, it over to you at this right, point. Have you ever read through Martin Luther's 95 thesis? Uh, not, well, I guess it'd be not theses. All, well, it? not all 95. Not no. all five. You haven't read any of them. <laughs> but, you know, the, don't you think it's kind of fascinating? He came up, came up with 95 basic objections he had with the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And then... I mean, it's pretty brutal. Nails them to the door. The Wittenberg's <laughs> like, he was there to make a point. Like, you know, he didn't write it in a letter, send it to the Pope. He didn't, you know, lay it on his, he nailed it to a door. It's like, <laughs> and and if you read through them, a lot of it has to do with the indulgences. You know, the Catholic yeah, Church was yeah. selling indulgences. He had a real problem with that, Martin Luther uh, did. Uh, it's a him. lot of the thesis <laughs> he's kind of relates to that, and I, I agree. So what he did basically was he took his understanding of the gospel, the grace of God, which was pretty good, and related that to his times, which is what was going on in the Catholic Church, right? Get that? Yeah, I'm So good. he had his 95 theses. Now, Jeff, I'm only going to give you a couple here, but I'm starting on my theses, and I've got, I'm up to 65. Oh, no. So I'm going to give you like three <laughs> or four. That's all, okay? Okay. See what you think. Give me, I think give three me, or four is about all I can handle. Yeah, I, I know. I no, they're, but they're all, that, so. they're all, I think they're all just very profound in my opinion. So what do we call these? Rogers? Rogers Theses. Uh, but I don't have a number yet. Right now it's Rogers 65 okay. Theses, but it's still, list may grow a little bit. I don't think I'm going to hit 95, but that's a lot. <laughs> You've got how many? 60 something? 65. Yeah. Okay. So number 11. Let me give you thesis number 11. The one sacrifice of Christ makes a per- person perfect forever. Amen. Preach it. Okay. <laughs> if you have any other under the new covenant, every believer is a disciple. So what? Uh, I can make that. Now, yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't. I don't give the scripture references, but I can make the scripture. I mean, I can make the point scripturally for every one of these. But anyway, go ahead. Your comments on that one. I don't like that one as much as the first one. But okay. I mean. Well, in, in Acts, yeah, I know you know. what you're saying. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I have 65, so. Jeff. They're okay. not all going to have the same level <laughs> of profundity. Gold, huh? Yeah, they're not. <laughs> you got all some right. silver and bronze These are in just there. A few, <laughs> I'm just pulling out a few excerpts. Okay, number 27 is the Bible is not a handbook for living, but the story of our redemption and how to respond to that story. I'm good with that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, number 36 the gospel is the truth that sets people free. Let's see. So Jesus said, you will know the truth. The truth will make you set. He talks about the word, and we learn later on that the word refers to the gospel. Yeah, so the gospel as opposed to just a bunch of. Yeah, or the whole Bible. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. We've said the truth sets you free. Like, okay, if you know the whole Bible, Jeff, that'll set you free. Good luck with that. Let me know how that's going for you. Uh, That was my experience. I tell you, that that 14th chapter of Leviticus just turned my. No, I I have no idea what's in the 14th chapter. But real quick, though, before you get off that, you shall know the truth. I did read the other day. I think it's true that, that the word truth is the idea in Scripture of revealed. So it's the idea that it's, it was hidden right. and been revealed. So you yeah. will know the truth. You will know what was true all along, the truth as opposed to hidden type of thing. Okay, yeah. all right. go ahead. Um, let's see. Number 43 is Jesus came to give life, not merely modify your behavior. Jeff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know you'll love this one, Jeff. This is all about you here. It says, God can connect believers organically without structured service times. No. You think that's possible? <laughs> you think he could do that without? I think he does it better. And I mean, how many times? I mean, that's. I know. I knew you'd be all about that. Thing. Yeah, you got to. Well, now here's the thing. So, my question then is if when I come up with my final list, I got to find a place to nail this, you know? 
I mean, I got to do Martin Luther. So I thought, well, where he mm-hmm. nailed to the Wittenberg door. That was a significant place at the time. What was that? Know? Yeah, but the, that Wittenberg was, like, was just the name of the town, wasn't it? Or well, what was, what was that? What wasn't, was that a, wasn't it a cathedral or something? Well, I, I have, have no to idea. look that up. I might be wrong about that. I have to, I'll look that up. I've got, I know we but got I'm one thinking, listener in Cincinnati that would know right off the top of his yeah, head. Yeah, well, let us <laughs> know. What, what was that Wittenberg door <laughs> yes. there? What was, what's on the other side of that door is what we want to know. Um, so I thought, well, where would you, today's culture, think, think about seriously, think about it. If you where wanted to do that. On Facebook. No, no, but if you physically, to a physical if door, yeah. You, I mean, sure, we could post it on social media. But if you want to literally nail something to a door that was a doctrinal kind of theses or statements. Either a church building door or a seminary. Well, but which, one, which church building do you pick? I'm just saying, which one? Give me a, a exact location. I mean, for instance, would you go to... The biggest, sem- the biggest um, seminary, which would be Southern Baptist, go to one of their main the- mm-hmm. theological schools and take their, go to their main theology building and nail it to the door. I mean, that's, you know. I, I don't know. I think what you do is you nail it to the front door of the, of the corporate headquarters of Chick-fil-A. Well, ironically, I had lunch today at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> 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 all right, jazz meant to be funny. That's all. All right, go ahead. What do you got? <laughs> Um, okay. Um, deadbeat dads. This, this comes from our friend, our friend, uh, Phelan Daugherty. Um, great quote from him, uh, spiritual deadbeat dads. It's, and we might even make that a title here, but it says in any ministry that puts obedience before love will be content with an obedience fathered by fear, guilt, and shame. You know, it is interesting when you think of fathering, it's just what produces something else. And so, if we try to produce, if we try to use fear, guilt, and shame to produce obedience, in a sense, the fear, guilt, and shame is the father that we're looking to to produce life, produce obedience. And these fathers will never produce the obedience that the love of God conceives in us. They are deadbeat dads of the spiritual world, for they leave us as orphans having to provide salvation for ourselves and our hearts full of anger and frustration. Jesus promised to never leave us as orphans striving to make a name for ourselves and but his medicine for that for that spirit of religion or self-effort is his holy spirit poured into our hearts by which we cry abba father and so you know it's the love of our heavenly father through the spirit indwelling us that 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 registers that 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 love resonates with causes us to cry out abba father that love father is the true father but religion and legalism tries to use fear and guilt and shame to produce in us, and it's that fear and guilt and shame we, that's the deadbeat dad that really leaves. Well, us it with characterizes nothing, so. God as a deadbeat father. Yeah, you could. That's what I get out of this. Yeah. I think that is okay, profound. Yeah, yeah. Put it that way, religion yeah, like turns a loving heavenly a father into a deadbeat dad. dad. Yeah, that's great. I think we, we make wow. a title out of that. That guy. is that's that is, in my view, profound. I mean, that has that's really what happens. God is not somebody who leads and guides with love and grace and mercy. He's now somebody who's just always looking for you to do right. If we had an earthly dad like that, who's always looking for you to do wrong, mm-hmm. always being rough with you, always being judgmental, always pointing out your failures and shortcomings, we would call that probably a pretty good working definition of a deadbeat dad. Or and that's the way we depict it. Just God. being abandoned when you don't support your children. You yeah. know, a deadbeat dad is someone who just disappears yeah. and doesn't care about the children, doesn't yeah. provide for the children. And yeah, that is a kind of religion 
So I mean, one of the questions is: Is your God a deadbeat dad? You know, I'll uh, tell you that. That's I think that so, is absolutely. So fact. hopefully, uh, so if we use that, hopefully Phelan will not send us a uh, cease and desist letter. Or well, we'll give him credit for Phelan. That oh. was brilliant. <laughs> you know, just when we thought nothing really good could come out of Ireland, oh, no, there no. you go. No. Come on. So. <laughs> well, I mean, they produced golf, didn't they? You know where golf came from? I mean, you know. So I just never assumed anything you know, great this, would come out. This of. podcast was going so well, <laughs> and then you had to, you had right, to do no, something like that. Right. So I've got a little bit more, but why don't you go ahead? You, you take a well, turn here. I'm still on this kick of the eyes of your heart and just how many scriptures there are about what you see in your heart. Mm-hmm. I think it is astounding, and I have a well, a little new little perspective on it. Okay. And I'm not going to go through all the scriptures, but, you know, it talks about the eyes of your heart in the first chapter of Ephesians. So, and that was Paul's prayer, that the, the eyes, eyes of your, your heart, heart would be enlightened. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, mean, you already have eyes. Your heart sees you see things internally. I mean, that's mm-hmm. exactly what yep. that's saying. And he wants you to see the riches of his, of his glorious inheritance. He wants you to see the immeasurable greatness of his power towards you. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's... It goes with the truth. It's, yeah. it's, what's, it's revealed. It's already there. It just and, needs to be revealed. And to see, though, what, how immense that is, how big it is, mm-hmm. and all that. Um, and there, you know, Jesus talked about the eyes, the lamp of the body. Um, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, we looked into things that are not that are seen but are unseen. So he says we look at things that are unseen. Um, even, you know, Jesus... Um, uh, having Peter walk on the water. What's the whole the whole lesson behind that? I think would think is Looking that Jesus. you know he where are you going to look? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a synopsis of a lot of life. I mean, where are you going to look at? You can look at the well, all of us can look at the waves, all of us can look at the wind, or we can look at the Lord, who He is, and what He's done. And that was the uh, and Peter was doing okay on the water, defying gravity as long as he looked at Jesus. But the waves were so threatening to him. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, just intimidating to him that he took his eyes off Jesus, looked at the winds and waves, and started to sink. And so um, it says in John 19, it says, the Scripture says, they will look unto him whom they have pierced. Uh, we've talked about, I think, um, you know, Numbers 21, which is, you know, they, they get snake bit. You know, all through the Bible, I think it's consistent to say, because it references in Revelation, that the serpent is somewhat of a symbol of Satan. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of how he ends up. Uh, in the garden, God yeah, turns yeah. into a, you know a serpent. And there turns, takes the walking ability away from serpents and does all that. The serpent because of the serpent of old, I think in, in Revelation, and so mm. when the children of Israel are being snake bit in Numbers twenty one, um, I think it might be safe to say that's kind of a symbol that they're getting you know bit by the devil or bit by evil or something like that. So anyway, they look at the, the bronze serpent on a pole. All they had to do was look. That's all they had to do. Look yeah. at that. Snake mm-hmm. bites healed. And then Jesus relates that right before the famous verse, John 3, 16. Mm-hmm. When you read verse 14 and 15, it says, As Moses, as he lifted up that bronze serpent, same thing, Jesus, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So right. we, we know that looking to Jesus now is the exact same thing as it was when the Israelites looked at the serpent on the pole. So there again, what are you looking at? What do you see in your heart? Okay, And then even in James chapter 1, verse 25, it says, we now look into the perfect law of liberty. So we look at liberty. So what you see... Now, here's what happens. You know, there's been a lot of stuff in New Age stuff and mysticism about, you know, what you do in your imagination. 
And then I personally believe that um, that Cho kind of messed this up a little bit in Korea when he began to talk about visualizing an answered prayer. You know, his example was he wanted a bicycle, and so God told him to visualize the kind of bicycle he wanted, you know, and they have to pray. I don't see that in Scripture. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, see yeah, that no, God tells us. To, now, There's the closest it comes is, I think, when God tells Abraham, look at the stars, your ancestors will be as mm-hmm. numerable as the stars. But that's still different. I mean, there again, though, God wants him to see something. So yeah. he related to what he saw in his physical eyes to what he could believe about his, uh, the nation that would come forth from him. Okay, And so, um, so I would say, I think Cho was wrong to say that. Um, it's like if, if that's the way it works, then Paul should have visualized a better boat because all his boats are always sinking. You know, he's always shipwrecked somewhere. And I would say he could have, you know, I mean, I'm just saying oh, yeah, practically yeah, saying. Yeah. that, he, you know, I don't see that. But I do believe that there's something powerful and practical and effective about seeing in your heart the truth of God, letting him work that out for you specifically in your situation and mm-hmm. what he has put before you to do. I, I'm still fascinated with the Ephesians 2.10 where it says God uh, his work has where his workmanship, and he's created for us to, to walk in good works. And these are things that are good mm-hmm. for, just for us, not just mean do nice things for other people. But there's a yeah. good plan. You know, the old... Uh, they don't earn points with yeah, God. Yeah, right. You know, it's, it, you know, it's the old thing. What was it? Campus Crusade for Christ used to say a long time ago, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Mm-hmm. Well, there's some truth to that. Yeah. You know, that yeah. wasn't totally off. Right. Kinda, I used to make fun of that. But they're, they're, I think that's pretty much true. Yeah. Um, it's You know, it's deeper than that, but that's a true statement. And so um, I think to be able to see in your heart the reality of the crucified Christ, that that was done for you, to see that you've been resurrected with Christ, you're seated in him, what you see in your heart does matter. And I think God wants to open up to us to see in our particular situations, and it can be different for every single person, how the inheritance of God and his power relates to you in the situation that you're in and be able to see that. So give me your comment. I like all that. I mean, it's, uh, I don't where do I start here? But I mean, Jesus came to reveal the Father to us, which is that, so we could see. He came, and that's why I don't think it's any coincidence that the the miracle that takes up a bigger chunk, probably I haven't gone back and looked at this, but in terms of number of verses in the Gospels, in terms of a healing, John 9, the man born blind, takes up a lot of yeah. the passage in that book. And, and the idea that, that and then beginning of John, that in him is the light that lights every man. And the, what's the very first words spoken by God in the whole Bible? What's the very first words that in, God speaks? In the beginning. That's what Moses wrote. Okay. <laughs> Moses wasn't quoting God. Okay, where, in the beginning, God where, said, where, in the beginning. Okay, so, what, so where God, are you? What no, was, what, no, during what, creation, what's the very first word? Well, let there be light. Let there be light. Yeah. And, you know, when Jesus, it's also amazing that Jesus in his day told the religious leaders here that had the whole Old Testament, they knew all that history, he said, no man has ever seen God, but I come to reveal, basically come to reveal. And then John mm-hmm. says that in John 1. So that's all about seeing and, and seeing what's already true of who we are. And so, yeah, I think the visualizing, I don't see anything, and you can do it in general ways. You, know, you can visualize, you know, a father just holding you in his arms or some, something like that. Or uh, you can even picture the cross. I think, you know, the cross is such a visible event. Um, I think that's kind know, of one of the reasons why yeah. crucifixion was used. It was yeah. public raised up raised it was up. something it was, i mean there's probably no more of a visual oh, no, no. Ex, form of execution than a so I don't, I don't, I don't roman a, crucifixion i don't see a problem with you know mentally visualizing that um you know we look to the things that are 
unseen, not the things that are seen. You know, it's the king. You know, we talked about the kingdom before. You know, there, there's a whole kingdom, there's a whole realm that is unseen to the physical eye, and so mm-hmm. we can use our imaginations to. to well, that's another that scripture. You know, what's it? Was it Elisha or Elijah or Elijah? I think it was Elisha. Where the the prophet then opens up his eyes and yeah, sees the yeah, vast army. Yeah. There's like, more forest there more, than yeah. is or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and he can see that then. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in scripture about that. But we kind of brush that away. Well, that sounds kind of new agey, you know. So we can't be doing that. It's like well, in a you know, it's a basic illustration, but now we know now with technology, you know, even in this room here, there are waves. There are sound waves, oh, yeah. there are radio you know, radio waves, TV, you know, if we had a TV in here we could with it we could pick it up. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff right around us that, that we don't see. And there is a spiritual reality, a spiritual kingdom. I think a lot of times when it talks about above, we talked about that other verse, you know, sexual mind on things above. It's not literally above, but I think it's just kind of a description of the eternal spiritual realm, that kingdom of, I mean, that's the other thing. It's kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. Right. You know, that ties right. in with seeing. Right. And so, you know, it's, it, and that's what faith is. Faith sees what what is, not what can be, but what is. And right. I had had this written down, and I think it's a good analogy. I think you'll like. It's kind of like the the problem with um, religion is it, it it causes spiritual cataracts. Think about cat. I'm not an eye doctor, obviously. We have one that listens to us occasionally, um, and he can shed some light on this. But you know, cataracts. The eye is still functioning okay. I mean, the inner working of the eye, I think, is functioning mm-hmm. okay, and it's things on the outside are okay. It's on the but, cornea, but I there think. there is okay. a veil there. There is a cloudiness. That that's keeping the eye from seeing what it's what it's there to see, and so the eye there can still see; it's just blocked. And so you know that's you know that when we don't see Christ, and that's where religion comes in. It, it creates a spiritual cataracts that's just a veil to, to yep. keep our Heard eyes off of that. A phrase the other day, and they say sometimes things bounce off our ego shield. I had not heard that. And we just kind of have, well, this is the way I see it, and this is kind of, you know, we kind of have this ego wrapped around a certain particular view of something. And so when we hear something that counters that, it just kind of bounces off our ego shield. I kind of like that phrase. So what else you got there? Oh, um, okay, one um, a quote from, uh, I really like this. It's not very long, and we've touched on it. It, it relates to what you mentioned earlier about the uh, the serpent on the cross. Um Jamie Englehart, this is not a pretty short post. Um, he says, sin is not a crime that needs to be punished by a prosecutor with a judge to carry it out, but a sickness that needs to be healed by a loving physician. You do not punish sickness out of people. You heal it. The cross was the genesis of healing the Adamic, Adamic or Adam's race by the beginning of a new one. I like that. You don't punish sickness out of yeah. people. You heal it. Yeah, I'm, co- I'm coming around to believe that more, that that is more clearly taught in Scripture. Than and and I saw a post the other day that quoted someone else. Um, I think it was a post, or maybe you sent me one thing the other day, but I think it was a post that talked about that Jesus took the punishment we deserved. And I hear that type of terminology now. Oh. I kind of cringe. Yeah. And, and I told someone, it's like saying a child with terminal cancer deserves to die yeah i don't think that child deserves well, to die okay now, you know if they're sick they're gonna die but you're there unless they're healed and so i, I think that is the way to look at okay to your to your point what was when jesus was criticized for hanging out with sinners what did he say um at the he didn't, um, he the, didn't the, say the well, well the, the policeman has come the law right. officer has come <laughs> to uh, take care of the guilty no he said it's the sick that need a physician right yeah that yeah. was his analogy the great physician and he he related people who were whose lives were a mess 
yeah. as being sick, and he was there as a physician. That was his term. And that, that story, Numbers 21, again, that's the only time, I think we've talked about this, but you know, when Jesus brought that up, that's the only time that he uses an Old Testament story to specifically point to the cross. Now, he talks yeah. about Jonah, but that's more you know the, the burial and the resurrection right, and all that. Resurrection, yeah. um, but you know, so the one story in the Old Testament that he picks to illustrate him being lifted up uh, it's the story when Israel and, and it's, with it's just so fascinating that there was no other requirement. I yeah. mean, it wasn't, okay, look at the bronze serpent, you know, confess your sin, repent of your sin, resolve to do better, um, read a couple of Bible verses, maybe say the prayer like this and give them a formula. They had to just look at mm-hmm. something and boom. See it. See, it. see it. Back to, back to, to the eye I mean, I, I just. And it's that faith. And I think it's the Holy Spirit within us that gives that faith, you know. Jesus is the author and finisher of faith. And so, um, you know, Christ within us opens our eyes to see what is already there and to see that, if we can tie this back into earlier, to see that God is our father and not a deadbeat dad that's going to leave us in need and as an orphan, uh, but loved and the spirit of God within us cries out, Abba, Father. And boy, that, I mean, that's a game changer. That it will is. change your life when, you, when your eyes are open to see God as Father. He's here. He's, he came in Christ. He didn't, he didn't beat up his son yeah. to fix a legal problem. He came in his son to, to heal you, yeah. to love you and to I, heal you. I think that's you. scriptural. So. I just want to say, Jeff, I got a real estate call while we were doing the podcast, but I didn't answer it, <laughs> but I, I got to answer it now. I'm sure God will reward you for uh, <laughs> getting ready to, to close the deal, I'm sure. Hmm.